0: better to have a short life that is full of what you like doing than a long life spent in a miserable way. Welcome to
1: the world. All right, so today we are joined by some very special guests. Uh, it's funny in my notes, I have you guys written down as the Stockade Boys, but it sounds way too much like a, like a country western band. So we'll, we'll, meet them, uh, we'll meet them individually. We have Dennis Crowley, who is the co-founder of Dodgeball, co-founder and executive chairman of Foursquare, and the founder and chairman of Stockade. And then we also have Dan Hoffay, who is the technical director of Stockade and the assistant coach at SUNY Ulster Men's Soccer, if something hasn't changed that I'm unaware of. Okay. And uh, also a fourth grade teacher, which if it hasn't changed all right cool so Um, amazing guys so so great to have you welcome to footwork
2: thanks for having us on the show yeah thank you so much looking forward to it
1: of course so uh you know in our early episodes when we had new york guests we we kind of asked them this question so as guys that spend a lot of time in in the hudson valley kingston area we need to know where for you guys where does upstate new york begin
2: I feel like Dennis and I are gonna have very, very different answers to this. Him this is perfect. Amazing. I'm gonna answer it. So so my answer as a Hudson Valley born and bred is upstate New York starts above Albany. Anywhere where the where the, the that big long piece of western New York hits uh-huh. central New York, yep. anything above that is upstate New York. Below that below the capital region, Kingston, Poughkeepsie, Westchester, White Plains, Mm -hmm. down into the city is all, you know, like I consider that downstate and then there's the city.
1: Mm -hmm. See, that's, that's what I like to hear.
0: Nobody ever says down, downstate though. Like that's not a word that people use.
1: It's not, unfortunately.
0: I I went to to Syracuse, so I, I went to school upstate, right? So I, I can, I totally get the, the above Albany thing. But as someone that lives in New York City, uh, or spends half of my time in, in the city, like anything, like it's New York City, Westchester, anything north of Westchester is upstate.
2: So I, I have to right. check. Right.
3: I I'm in concurrence with Dennis here.
2: Yeah, I was under the impression that anybody from New York City thought that like anything north of them, even in the city, like one street north of them was upstate.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've I've heard Yonkers before is upstate, so you know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you go, know, the Bronx.
1: all right well two very different answers to uh but you know i think i'm with dan and sean's with dennis on this but it's okay
2: so
3: 50 50
2: sean you a new york city kid long
3: island long island grew up in long island even worse yeah even worse it's called eastern new york
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
3: eastern eastern new york
0: the far east side the far east
3: (laughs) yeah
1: far east (laughs) All right. So enough uh, upstate talk. I mean, I guess it's going to come back into upstate depending on the definition. But I mean, you guys started Kingston Stockade. You guys started a club. So we have to first start off with, you know, how did the idea come about? How was that born?
0: Yeah, so, um, you know, I I was... I was playing five aside games in um, you know, just pickup leagues in in New York. And then one day after after one of our games, had beers with my buddies, and we're thinking, how does you uh, you know, how do we take our club and actually get it to the point where it would play against the the Red Bull someday? You Mm. know, and it was just a just like a a thought exercise, right? What what happened? what have to happen for us to like qualify for the US Open Cup so we could then do that, right? And just mm-hmm. thinking about that and, you know, no one knew the answer, but then the next day I kind of went really deep on the, the wiki Wikipedia rabbit hole and learned about, you know, all kind of the lower levels of soccer, which I really just didn't, I kind of knew were there, but didn't really understand it. And mm-hmm. that introduced me to clubs like Chattanooga and Detroit um, who were in the MPSL. And as I started doing some research on those clubs, I was like, holy cow, these things are, amazing and then you kind of have this realization that, like these haven't been here for thousands of years someone just made these clubs they just decided to invent them and um you kind of had a similar moment thinking we we should make one of these How, like this would be an awesome thing to make like where where would you do it oh, i know we do it you do it up in in kingston right the moment you see Deed stadium and you understand it's like a kind of an underutilized piece of infrastructure for this and so one of the very first things that I did, because like I knew people in the Hudson Valley, but I wasn't connected in any way to anything soccer related, is I went on Twitter, and I found the American Outlaws supporters group in the Hudson Valley, and just I was I mean I remember I was in San Francisco for work at the time, and I think I had one too many beers one night, and I just sent a DM on Twitter to AL <laughs> Hudson Valley, and I was like, I don't know uh-huh. who runs the account but hello if we put if we what do you think about trying to do a, a, a soccer team in the Hudson Valley would people go would people care would people play and i can't remember it was, it was it was dan or someone else replied back like an hour later and that that was it that was the very beginning of o'clock it in wow. the yeah i know right and then and then we you know we went out we we uh we, we kind of had this like awkward meet, meet and greet uh, taco dinner somewhere and I don't remember where it was. And then from there, we just kind of started talking about it. And th- it, you know, it, it I want to say it came together fast, but it, like it started, it, things started getting real real
1: quick. Mm-hmm. Mm. Wow, yeah. so it's 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 amazing to hear that this all was just born from a sliding and a DMs. For real. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's amazing. Yeah. Dan, from, from your perspective though, is it like, you know, how did you just got a random DM one day yeah, and so were I you gotta, over the moon?
2: When I was at school in in Albany College, I got really involved in um, the American Outlaws. So it was fresh off of like the 2006 World Cup. Um, I got really involved in AO Albany and was having a blast with guys up in Albany. And when I came home from school, it was like, we need to do something like this in the Hudson Valley. So a Mm -hmm. few buddies of mine, we started the American Outlaws Hudson Valley chapter. And, you know, we had like an awesome... 2014 World Cup. There were like tons and tons of tons of people at the bar in Poughkeepsie, beer splattering all over the place when Jermaine Jones scores goals. Like it was oh, yeah,
4: wild. Yeah. we
2: were fresh off that when it was. I think it was 2000, the mid to like the summer 2015. When I like woke up going, I was getting ready to go to summer school in the morning. i was teaching summer <laughs> school. I got up like seven o'clock and I see this DM from some verified guy at like 4:25 in the morning or something. I'm like, what is this? So I'm texting my buddy, Corey, who um, helps me with like some of the social media stuff on American Outlaws. And he's like looking him up and he's like, like, holy crap, this guy's pretty big time. Like, what is he doing? So we started exchanging messages and uh, yeah, we went, we went out to dinner one night. It was super awkward the first time, like Dennis said, but um, I actually left, I actually had to leave Nick's, my brother Nick's godson's birthday party. To go meet Dennis for dinner to talk the crazy idea exactly yeah. it was it was there was so much unknown
1: yeah it just yeah
2: from there I mean the next summer we were playing in the NPSL with you yeah
0: I remember we went to that dinner I, I don't remember where it was
2: it, it was like a like a
0: horseshoe shaped booth which is what yeah. makes it weird like anytime once someone wants to get out like everyone oh has it's
1: the go. worst yeah <laughs> <laughs> 10 but people I, have to get I, out I, yeah
0: it was you know my wife and I were just at the, at the house when we can drive back to the city And so she came with us and then we, you know, we had like another 45 minute drive and just like, well, what do you think? What do you think of these guys? I'm like, I don't know. I mean, we don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know if they know what they're doing, but like, let's just
3: figure it out. Just try
0: it out as we go. Just rolled with it. Yeah.
1: It really does sound like the the beginning of any true, you know, great love story. It's just (laughs) all the, it has really all the, the factions there. What were uh, were some of the, uh, yeah, all of these what were some of the biggest hurdles? Like, I mean, it was a very quick transition from that awkward dinner date to launching, you know, in the MPSL with a full team coach, all of these things. So what were some of like the initial hurdles and some of the unforeseen challenges that you guys saw?
0: Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's just, it's a lot of work. Right. And the thing is, is, um, you know, going into it, I don't think we really knew how much work it was. Maybe Dan certainly knew from, like, the, you know, putting the, or had some sense from the putting the team together, um, you know, organizing, kind of getting a functional squad together point of view. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I I had never done anything like this in terms of, like, I gotta rent a stadium. We gotta get a, a logo and a brand and insurance and, coaching staff and tryouts and season tickets and merchandise and you know like you know I remember naively thinking making a list being like well there's probably like six things we got to do make some kits get a stadium and uh make some tickets right that's it (laughs) (laughs) you start unpacking it actually there's like 1500 things to do Mm -hmm. and you know like one one of the I think the, the big moments for the the club and kind of like some of the stuff we stand for was like, I went on Google being like, okay, what do you, how do you start a soccer team from scratch? And there was nothing and like, no, nothing under Google results. And we kind of made this decision in addition to making the club, like, let's, let's try to write about it as we do it mm. to make it easier for the, the next person that comes along.
4: Mm. Right? Yeah.
0: And that, that has turned out to be, to have been very influential. You know, I've, I've talked to hundreds of clubs over the last Five years that have seen those blog posts and said this gave me just enough confidence to think i can do it i have three more questions and i'm like all right let's just get on the phone for 15 minutes and happy to help right and and that's like a i think that's like a core part of the of the club too
2: yeah we have we have stuff from anything about finances of the club to how to put together the team how to run a youth clinic to you know ncaa compliance you know there's so much so much information that we've put into these blog posts including like raw real numbers
1: yeah yeah i remember that i remember that post of the the, the club's finances after the first year and now it's a it's a great read for anyone
0: yeah and and we talked to people all over the world i talked to a club um you know it, it was like uh some 20 something kid trying to start a, a club like an hour outside of rome you know, and I was like, wow. I don't know anything about the landscape over there in terms of soccer fans and villages and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, I can I can walk you through the numbers. And of course, is you know, US dollars to the lira is a totally different thing, but it's like just look at the percentages. You're gonna spend thirty percent on this, forty percent on this. So take your budget and that's what it's gonna be.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Vatican City FC. <laughs> <Yeah>. Is that <laughs> no, oh, no, no, no. oh <laughs> man, I
1: wish I was gonna oh, look my, up their I merch was right, headed right there away. now.
0: I wish, so, if anything, I, I wish I kept track of all the clubs that we talked to. So we could have like a alumni page of clubs that like we, we touched at some point, but it, I mean, it's probably been a, a hundred clubs, 200 clubs. Wow. You know, it's, it's And some of them may, may never get off the ground. It's just people like kicking the tires on, is right. this something I want to do? Is this something I want to spend money on?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
3: Now, Dennis, I can't help, but draw a tie between, um, so maybe you can give a little insight to everyone what, what Foursquare your company is. I mean, you've started this company, but I also saw a video um, from about two years ago where, so you just mentioned that, you know, let's start a club and let's write about it. That way we can help people in the future start a club. Yeah. But you also did a very similar thing with Foursquare. Now I'm no computer science guy, but you basically, this programming that you guys created, you then allowed and gave it to other people to use for free up to a certain amount of people, but allow their creativity to take over. And I, I feel like it's, it's almost exactly the same thing as what you're doing here. You yeah. guys did it, you made the club, you wrote about it, and it's kind of like a guideline for other people to then take off and do whatever they want with it.
0: Yeah, it, in a sense, right? So, like, for, first quarter is, you know, 12 years old, right? It, it was it's 12, almost like this week is our 12th year anniversary. Oh, wow. Um, and you know, like we started off just making like one consumer app, and uh, you know people would check into places and games and city guides and stuff like that. And we got you know fifty, sixty million people using it, which is which is a pretty pretty good chunk. Um And then from there, you know we launched other apps. we We have advertising services and analytics services. and um, you know a big part of the business now is like building tools for other developers. So, you know, Twitter and Uber and Samsung and Apple, if they need to do stuff with location technology or location data, like a lot of times they they come to us and we, you know, we do like a data partnership and they pay us for the services. Um, But, you know, one of the things that we also do is we make those tools available to small developers. So if people want to come along and just like, hey, I'm a student at NYU and I want to use this technology. Like we have all this documentation, not dissimilar from, you know, explaining on, you know, on Stockade, here's how you, how you make it. And then we give away the stuff for free until, until you turn into a big company and then we charge you for it. Um, So it's not, it's not totally dissimilar, you know, my, my, my own experience as, you know, founder of like, you know, two tech companies. And then, you know, I was CEO of Foursquare for six, seven years, and then, you know, now I do a lot of, like, you know, angel investing and advising and stuff. Like, Mm -hmm. I try to make myself accessible um, for people that are going through the entrepreneurial journey, like stuck on fundraising or stuck on product development or stuck on, like, I've never managed people before. What do I do now that I have 200 people, right? So in the same way, I try to spend some of my time helping, you know, people build stuff in the soccer community. I spend another chunk of my time I'm trying to help people build like startups and tech things and, you know, getting getting things off the ground, right? So it's really just, it's all the same stuff, right? Yeah. right? You have an idea for something you want to make, it, it, whether it's like writing code or bringing people together at a soccer match, you know, you you make a list of the... You know, you foolishly make a list of the five things you think you have to do. It actually turns out there's a thousand things you have to do. And you just, you know, you get enough people together that you work through the list of a thousand, a thousand things to do. It's, it's the same process for, for anything really. Right. Um, and it's just a matter of taking a big project and breaking into smaller chunks and then trying to do, you know, a, li- a little bit of work every day so that yeah. like you're slowly making progress.
1: hmm Sure. and 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 in founding stockade and founding a company like foursquare um did you did you foresee like that there would be many parallels or did you think that it was just kind of like the wild west and were you able to bring a lot of the stuff that you had formed in a tech company into forming stockade
0: yeah people ask all the time about like the the overlap like what is what is a stockade have to do with a technology company and you know to be honest like they're they're two totally different things, but like, you know, at the, at the root of it, it's just like, you have an idea for something. It doesn't yet exist. You mm-hmm. want it to exist. And so you make it exist. You just make the stuff, right? Um, and it doesn't matter if you're like, you're gonna start a, a bakery or a coffee shop, a soccer team or some tech company or like a fashion label or whatever. It's like, you start from nothing and you just keep doing a little bit until you've got something. Bring people in, and then you just keep building it all together. So, so that yeah. stuff is the same, you know. I think the thing that's that's kind of most, I, I think, is most interesting because Foursquare now is a totally different company than it was when, when we when we started. Like when we started, it was a consumer app, and it was about you know having this thing that brought people together. Like Foursquare, the app was about like getting people together to have good times at bars and restaurants and physical spaces. Like how do you how do you use technology to bring people together? And that's kind of what stockade is. Like stockade is just like, yeah, yeah there, there's guys running around the, on the field scoring goals and we're playing in this league, right? But it's like, you're bringing the community together. You're bringing yeah. a thousand people from the community that may not know each other, right? bringing them together to like cheer on the squad, cheer on the community. And, and that's that's really what it is. And so when I talk to other entrepreneurs outside of um, uh, you know, people doing soccer stuff and get them to focus, like, listen, it's not just about the 90 minutes on the field. It's about the, like, how do you create an environment where, where, you know, fans want to come because this is the most fun that they can have in a two hour spin, right. On the weekend. And it is they too. Want, they want to bring their family. They want to bring their kids, right. That's like yeah. a, it's a, just a different way of, of thinking about it, but it's an important way of thinking about it.
1: Mm. And just to bring personal experience from being a player and returning as a fan in the stands, I mean, both experiences like stockade is, you know, I've been around the world, you know, and I've played in many different countries and still like the experience I had at stockade with the fans and the drums and the speakers and the chants was just like, you know, it, it, it's, it's what you're chasing around the world. And it was so cool that yeah. this was this was in the Hudson Valley and was just accessible to, you know, players who wanted to chase this. So, I mean, hats off to you guys for that. It's, it's.
0: I, I wish I could say that was, that was us, but like, it's, it's it, like it was, but it's, but it's not right. All we mm-hmm. did was create like the platform, like we'll rent the stadium. We'll get a good team that you want to watch there and we'll make it a fun environment. But I remember like, you know, K- Kale Shillin is this uh, one of the guys that I got connected to really early around the same time I got connected to Dan about putting the soccer side of Stockade together. I got connected with this guy named Kale, who was helping me on like the community side because I was kind of new to Kingston like we only had the house for a couple years. And, and Kale was like, oh, I know just the right people that you want, like, oh, sometimes soccer games have drummers, Well, we have a whole like drumming group, right, that that, that works with the high school <laughs> and they wanna to come to the games. Yeah. And they had, they had, you know, never been to a game in Brazil and, and experienced this, you know, um, in person. And so the very first day they just did, they, you know, the very first game, they got there and they just did like a, a drum beat, like kind of like this, not like a salsa drum beat, just like a kind of American d- drum beat yeah, yeah, for yeah. like ninety minutes, and it was it was awesome. It was like being at like a. a
1: I can hear a, it right now. So yeah, cool.
0: I, I can hear it too. Right, and that, and that <laughs> that's what makes it kind of awesome. Um, and I remember they they came up to me at the end and they're like, "Did we did we do it right?" Like, was <laughs>
4: it was
0: like I, I was like, "I've never seen, I've never experienced anything like that." And it was yeah. awesome. It was yeah. awesome. You know, yeah. it was like, like, you know, like when you're, you're playing, like, um, you know, it was like the background music when you're playing street fighter, right. It's just like in wow, the background, yeah. it's going yeah. and it's yeah. like keeping you going and keeping it going and it gets faster and slower. Sometimes like that, that's what it was. And they just kind of organically nailed it. And then we've had, you know, the drummers do that. The supporters do that. Like people, people just come and they express themselves in different ways right. of the
2: games. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just turned into something awesome and they sit right behind the away team's bench so. amazing which
1: is nice yeah that is nice
2: now i mean <laughs> yeah. just just to stay yeah, on this subject so sorry had, go ahead one of the owners we had one of
0: the owners come up to me during mid-game because i'm always like pacing back and forth yeah. the, on the track watching the game and when the owners was like you have to tell that those drummers to quiet down we, we cannot communicate with our players i'm like it's kind of the point, you know, yeah, hit, the dr-
3: hit the drums louder.
2: <laughs> yeah, guys, Just turn, turn it up like a hundred percent. Could you imagine like Roy Williams at Duke, it, you know, playing at Duke, going over to Mike Krzyzewski and saying, can you get the Cameron crazies to calm down a little bit so that I can communicate better with my players? Yeah, just
1: everyone, everyone quiet down. I have to do this. Yeah, like, just, no, Hey,
2: I got to yell to the guy on the other side of the court. Keep it down a little bit. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Now to stay on this, I mean, that, I mean it was one of the, the things that I think draws anyone to Stockade is this strong fan base. Now you've, you've touched on some of the things that you guys have kind of laid down, but for both of you in terms of social media, providing things at the stadium um, to the things that you do with the youth and, and, and the kids showing up in, in jerseys and getting in for free, like what are some of the things that you think are very important in creating uh, a strong fan base?
2: I I think that the transparency, like the transparency that our club has with the people is, is a major, is a major piece. Like we're open. We're honest. They know where, you know, they know that it's real. Like we've been updating them on our 2021 season, you know, as much Mm -hmm. as we can working on things. We're trying to get ready to play. Um, But there's obstacles in the way, you know, like those open and honest conversations that we have with the, with the community really keeps them intertwined into the soul of our team. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. It just like having, um, I definitely see clubs like small clubs that start and they, and they try to feel bigger than they are like, Oh, we have a front office and a president and such and such. And I always feel like we, we take the other approach. Like we, we, you know, like we go to Keegan's and we sell t-shirts out of the, a Tupperware container and they're like, you're, you're the chairman of the club. I'm like, yeah. And I'm also the chief t-shirt folder. That's how this operation is. Run.
1: <laughs> I take both. I take both yeah. very seriously. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. And I think, and I, I think people, you know, people can relate to like, that. They, they, right. they see that we're just trying to, you know, trying our best to put on like a good experience and, mm. And I think what, when that happens, you get people that want to contribute in all these interesting ways, right? So like, you know, whether it's, it's the, you know the, um, you know, the the drummers coming out or a supporters group emerging or, you know, people being like, hey, is it okay if we do a march from the match? Like, of course it is. Is it okay if we organize a supporters meetup and we stream the game at this bar? Yeah, just do whatever. Don't ask me permission. We just made the platform. You, you do whatever you want on top of it. And then I I also think it's just like, you know, you kind of run the experience for for the fans. Like the the best version, the best kind of example I I can tell you this about this is like, I think it was our very first game. I can't remember if it was a regular season game, if it was the first friendly that we ever played at Deets, where we we didn't know if we were going to have 50 people show up or what. And there was 800 fans in the crowd, right? And, And you know, I remember, I remember just being so distracted by just like, we have a game. Now there's people playing. Okay. What's going on? The rest point, you know, three minutes in the game, the rep blows a whistle for something. And the, the crowd goes wild and everyone turns around they're like, what? It's like, Oh my God. When did they get yeah. <laughs> Right. It, it filled up so quick. You didn't even realize, it. but the, at the end of the game, at the end of the game, like unexpectedly, just all the kids ran down to the fence. Right. Oh, and, man. um, they all wanted autographs and like nobody expected that nobody knew what to do. You know, Jamal, who is the the captain, you know, took everyone together and was like, all right, it's great. Look at this crowd came out to support us. Here's what we're doing. Nobody goes inside until every single kid gets something signed. And, you know, Jamal's like, Dennis, you got pens. I'm like, I have one in my pocket. I have a (laughs) Sharpie in my car. Right. So we had like three pens for 800 kids and we just stayed outside for like an hour. And, and I that, think- that is the essence of like yeah. what what the club is right yeah. it's like right. we are we are here to serve the community inspire the kids give people a good time be, like be role models be something people can aspire to and and everyone on the you know on that side of the fence on the player side of the fence is willing to put in the
2: time to do that and, and yeah. that's
0: that's what the club is
2: and i think dennis just kind of gave you a little glimpse into really what it takes on a day-to-day basis. Like he mentioned the pens, the pens are running joke with us. Like we never have enough pens, never have enough markers, (laughs) like remember to bring the pens to tryouts, like stuff like that. But like game one, we had no idea what we needed. And we learned that game two, we needed like 35 Sharpie markers there with us constantly. And even still to this day, we're constantly learning. And that's the point of the transparency. That's the point of sharing with other clubs is to really give them a little bit of a roadmap of the things that we're learning on the fly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Right. And I thought I really, I mean, it was such a cool, just cultural thing, like win, loss, draw, it didn't matter. Like grab a pen and go thank the little kids. And, you know, you try and spark up a conversation with them. Half the time, they're way too nervous to say anything. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, you're not going to know my name. Like when you go home, you just see this Sharpie going on, like on your Jersey or whatever. But, yeah. I mean, it, it puts it in perspective, especially during a loss, when you would go over, sign a thing and just be like, you know, this is like, this is really cool. It's bigger than, than just this game. It's like.
2: field matters. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah.
2: No, no, I, can't,
0: I can't tell you how many, how many like messages, emails, even like if I go to the supermarket and I wear a stockade jacket, like parents will stop me and they'll be like, you know, thank you so much for bringing this to town. Like my, all my kids want to do is play soccer now. All it's all they like. They're so inspired by it. all they want to do is kick a ball. I'm like, that's that's awesome, right? Yeah. You know, we, we went to the 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 coach of um, uh, Kingston High School, and I was like, hey, did you see any noticeable uptick in the number of people that tried out for soccer? He's like, yeah, it was like mm. twice as many. After
1: wow. Wow. wow.
0: That's pretty. That's a cool data point. Thank you. You know? Yeah, I
1: mean, just from from personal experience growing up in the Hudson Valley and Monroe, like, I mean, the closest things we had were MLS teams in the city. So like it, it was there, but it wasn't really tangible, you know, like these yeah. kids that can go and see something. Yeah, it's not, you know, first tier, but to them, yeah. it's still like, you know, yeah. it, it, it is it's it's what they can see and then it's what they can strive for. I think that's a very important thing for a kid to have is some way of looking how to get there. And yeah, for, for, for yeah. most of us, it wasn't there, you know?
0: That's a, like that's a, the essence of it, right? Like, it doesn't have to be D1 top flight professional, right? Mm. In order for it to matter, right? And, and yeah. I think, you know, like, we, we, were run, we were running these surveys and people would say, yeah, Stockade is my favorite club. I'm like, it's your favorite, what, over, like, any club in the world? Yeah, it's my favorite club because it's a club in my town. And I was like, gosh, I, I just never, you never expected that to happen, yeah.
4: right? you yeah.
0: know? Um. And yeah, and 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 then, you know, like a lot of people would argue, like, we have people that travel from all over. We've had people drive like 12 hours to come see a stockade game. It's like, what, why did you drive Crazy. 12 hours? You know, because they're like, why did you drive 12 hours to come to DEETS? And they're like, I had to see this thing. I keep hearing about it. I had to see it. And I'm like, did it live up to the hype? And it's like, it's amazing. It's like the <laughs> best atmosphere in American soccer okay. Like, I'm like, I, I don't believe that. I mean, Detroit's going to be crazy. I've never been in a Detroit game. In Chattanooga. I've been there. And I like, I got goosebumps. Right. um,
4: mm-hmm. you know,
0: uh, but, but to have people come and see what we built and to think that is like the most flattering thing that you, you know, you could ever hear.
1: I mean, you look across the world, just in, in clubs in England here in Germany too, like Sean and I play for clubs here where, you know, this club is their favorite club and it is not, you know a Bayern Munich it's not a Manchester United but it's where they're from and it's like it's passed down and I feel like Stockade could be that same thing where it's just like it was my father's club it's my club and right. you know it's just kind of like it's an essence of it
0: that's that's why I always I always talk to fans and, and tell them like the club's not going anywhere like we're gonna work on the club forever right it's, it's not because that's the curse of lower level soccer like oh a club lasts for two years then it goes away it's like no no yeah. no no. like it's gonna last forever
4: yeah, um, right and,
0: you know and like i think the thing i was most bummed about this past season is like i wasn't able to take my my two kids to go because they're finally <laughs> of the age where they were like
4: yeah yeah yeah
0: oh stockade games right so i'm really psyched about taking them around you know but i i grew up in boston as a as a red sox fan right and you know that's just kind of like in, <laughs> Dan in, Dan and goes. Spilled in me It just kind of it's just kind of born born into you and i remember you know like kind of just kind of falling out of love with baseball a couple of years ago mm. um just not caring and then having stockade kind of fill that that void for me and being like yeah. you know, of course it makes total sense like you spend all this time building this club like it's kind of your club you, you you know but just being kind of blown away where it's like this is this is the thing i care the most about and it's like and and to to have you know hundreds of people feel the same way is just like mind blowing.
3: Yeah, that's amazing. And now, you know, Dylan made a good point, and then Dennis and Danny followed up with it. Is that like having Stockade? You guys have now provided a in person experience for these young kids to strive for, right? This is a, a viable path that they can one day maybe play for Stockade, right? They they can see where they can go. But then, like, let's go one step further. And it's kind of, you know, a dark spot in U.S. soccer is that stockade at the moment can't move. Right. It has to stay in the league that it is. It can't move up leagues. Yeah. And it's not like, you know, one day this club, they're going to get all these great players. They're going to get promoted into the next league. And then maybe one day when I grow up, they're going to be in the MLS. You yeah. know, and and I know you guys are, have very strong opinions on this. And I think that it, it is certainly a thing that's holding yeah. U.S. soccer back at the moment. Um so let's talk about this. I mean, you guys have definitely a lot to say about this. You guys have actually filed a lawsuit against U.S. soccer, which I think is incredible and um, it's something that really needs to be spoken about in U.S. soccer to bring it forward and to keep players staying in country because it's kind of almost in a way it's forcing players to leave the country and go elsewhere.
0: I don't. I don't think leaving the country at this moment is is a bad thing. You know, like right. Dan and I were talking about this last week. Like we have this alumni page on on a stockade website, and you know, Dylan, what, what I think our, our very first player ever to to play abroad. Thank you. Nice.
3: <laughs> so proud.
0: Bronze statue right now. <laughs> Everybody, next season. Next season. Okay. Bronze. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, but no, there's like there's there's like a, a growing list of of like, you know, in the absence of stockade moving up a level, because that doesn't exist in the U.S. soccer, I don't see a path for it to happen in the near term. In the absence of that, you know, individual players are going on and making careers for themselves abroad. And at Mm -hmm. some point, you know, do they circle back to the U.S.? At some point, do they not go abroad and they get picked up by MLS, right? So they Mm -hmm. can be seen domestically? Mm -hmm. I don't know, right? But it like, it's, it starts with, like giving players opportunities to extend their career. And then I think it extends to, or transforms into, you know, how does, how does a team in the, in the, in the Hudson Valley go from being, you know, uh, an amateur team to a professional team to a competitive professional team? And what does that, what does that journey look like? So uh, Dan, I'll I'll let you speak. I'll let you speak. So I think that you,
2: you know, the word opportunity is, is really big in the in the pro-rel world because, like, I mean, you guys playing in Germany, like, you know, bigger clubs are keeping their eye out for you, are are, are keeping their eye out for lower-level clubs because they know those lower-level clubs always have the potential to become a bigger-level club. You always yeah. have the potential to get to a higher level. You always have the potential to bring your players with you mm-hmm. to a higher level. So that network of finding players really exists across mm-hmm. across Europe across yeah. you know South America that network doesn't exist in the US where it's like okay we have this really great player named Dylan Williams playing for our team how do we help Dylan Williams get up, you know to play in USl2 or USL and help him progress through the. US pyramid right. there's no network for that um I told Dylan beforehand that Sean I was going to call you out on a little quote I wrote it down yes right here.
1: I love it here we go
2: that you thought of yourself as a business Mm -hmm. and that your worth of your business is now more now that you're abroad than if it had been that you stayed and played in the U S in the NPSL and USL too. And so on. And like, to me, that's a problem. Like that's the essence of the problem in U S soccer that you do not see yourself getting better as a player or getting bigger as a business in playing in u.s soccer yeah. how do we change that how do we make it so that players of your guys you know resume can improve can get seen without having you know i played at wake forest on my resume yeah.
4: i, I got yeah.
2: collected in the bogus mls super draft like how how do we make it so that there's a real pathway for players to be seen. And, you know, you guys took it initiative on yourselves and, you know, worked with Soccer Visa, got yourselves contract. We've had a handful of guys go to Soccer Visa from Stockade. Um, but that's guys taking things into their own hands. It's not it's not just the opportunities being seen by other players. Like, you know, there's no Red Bull scouts coming and watching Stockade games. I mean,
4: no. shout out
2: to the Red Bulls, NYCFC. You guys want to come to Deed Stadium anytime you want. Come check Don't out great but you know there's just there's no there's no connection right now between clubs in u.s soccer and that hurts players who who should be given opportunities like we've had guys like dennis said our alumni we have a guy playing in um you know the for the b team a la liga b team right now yeah
4: yeah
2: guys playing in division one in bolivia right now yeah. You know, we've had guys in Germany, Dylan in Australia, we've had guys in, you know, Scandinavia, all across the world taking things upon themselves to go find a team to play for because nobody is giving them that chance in yeah. the US.
1: And so just to just to stay with this topic, I mean, just to point out, you know, some of the things that kind of hinder it is that you go abroad and a season is is it lasts for the same as a professional season, whether you're playing professional or not. So can be eight, nine, 10 months. Now in MPSL season, I know there's there's things that are forming in, in, in many of these leagues, but it's one of the things, and especially in college too, is that you're not playing full time. You're not playing, you're not training every single day. So this is this is just one of the things that I think hinders players. But I mean, how how do we form that? How do we become better as a soccer community where these lower tiers even if it's not a promotion relegation. Cause like Dennis said, that seems very far away, but you know, what can we do now?
0: Well, it's just like, there's a huge gap between doing what stockade is doing, which is playing, you know, three or four months out of the year, um, mostly mo- amateur players a mix of college and, and like, you know, former college players and, um, you know, and and everyone's doing it as like a a side hustle basically, right? There's a huge difference between that and then like, you know, going to like a, a, a NISA team, right? Which NISA would be, you know, division three, you know, playing 10 months out of the year, traveling around the country, everyone on salary, right? And so the, the gap between, and then and then from, from NISA, then you go to like USL two or something like that, where the budgets get more expensive and then MLS, which is, you know, top tier in the US. Um, and there's just like, there, there needs to be like stepping stones here. And the NPSL talks about this a lot, Right? Okay, well, instead of playing just a four month season, you can now play a six month season or you can also play an eight month season. So you can do you know, spring and fall, or you can do spring and summer or summer and fall and you can put it together like Lego blocks basically. But you know, depending on your stadium availability, your market size, you know, your, your own schedule and you know, budget, you can play however much you wanna play and the NPSL will help you find opponents to play against. So you can continue to grow players um and then once you get used to running like an amateur squad for call it you know 6 months or 8 months out of the year it gets a little bit easier to be like oh well now i'll just do that. i'll do it 10 months out of the year and i'll do and i'll migrate over to professional players but to do both of those jumps at once amateur to professional and 3 months to 10 months is is and you know regional travel the national travel it's just three huge roadblocks right. get mm-hmm. over in mm-hmm. terms of you know the size of your budget increase. And so we don't like that. The US soccer ecosystem doesn't have the right infrastructure to help clubs go from small to big. And mm. it doesn't have the the proper financial incentives, right? right. I'm just imagine a world in which you could be promoted, right? If you got promoted, you'd go bankrupt because like, you just don't have enough money to-
1: Yeah, It's completely them. different. Yeah, the stepping and stones,
0: the finance the financial infrastructure of a lot of the European systems and you know there's there's revenue shares with broadcast revenue if you go up so you are getting paid and there's parachute payments if you go down so there's mm-hmm. like a push in there and those are those are long-standing kind of financial mechanisms built to insulate clubs from um, you know like the, the shock of going up or going down but we, there's nothing like that here
1: no yes.
0: And, and and some you know there's going to be a conversation about how does that stuff even even happen before you really start to
2: you know see some of this
1: anything yeah. to add on that dan i'm just I mean,
2: I'm... nobody's really on the same page like that's one mm-hmm. of the biggest things is that u.s soccer is not on the same page you know across the board nationally whereas mm-hmm. in england and in germany and in france like the whole infrastructure, the whole system, the whole pyramid is set up on you know the same common ground. It's not like that here. We have like seven different federations basically. Like the MPSL is so much so separate from USL to you know yeah, so
1: separate
2: yeah yeah you know, is now its own complete different thing. There's UPSL. There's adult amateur. Like there's yeah. so many different pathways. That mm-hmm. it's just everybody it's, is all over the place, scattered, and nobody is together.
4: Yeah. Right.
0: It's okay for there to be different leagues, right? Around the country, there's different leagues. But the, the leagues, you know, the leagues just they just need to accept the fact that they are a container for teams. Teams come in, teams go out, yeah. right? The problem That's how it exists most everywhere in the world. The problem in the U.S. is that the leagues want to compete with each other. You know, like, well, I don't want to be D3. I want to be D2. Well, I don't want to be yeah, D4, yeah. To be D4 right. and D3. Yeah,
2: you know, right.
0: I always think that the USL is, is thinking like, someday we're going to be D1. We're going to take over the MLS. Right. You've got this really crazy, dysfunctional competitive system where everyone wants to be the top league yeah. as opposed to the USSF just being like, listen, guys, everyone is stuck where they are. Now start working together and move teams up and down the yeah. system. Yeah. right and so in the absence of strong leadership from the ussf you get the mm. league wanting to compete with each other
4: right yeah and
0: that, i mean you that uh, you yeah see a purpose to the teams to the clubs and, a disservice, and that is a
2: disservice to the players yeah and really and we could really have a pyramid that's you know seven eight tiers deep if you start yeah. to, because i mean right now usl2 and psl p um and um UPSL are all in the same tier if we were to go you know tier one tier two tier three two five tier six tier seven it creates more of a pathway for you know the potential for stock eight as a tier four team to look at UPSL as a tier five or a tier six teams
4: yeah mm-hmm. right
2: you know those players could come in and they could play for for us in tier four and then somebody in Nisa at tier three could potentially look at stock. It creates more of those connections, more of those opportunities sure. when you have a real laid out layered system. Right. Yeah. And Do it's almost see- like,
1: that, ahead,
3: just to continue with that, like when you had the NASL and the USL, who both are, you know, quote unquote second tier, NASL thought they were first tier, but it's what happens is you water down every league. You know, instead of if you have a pyramid scheme, a lot pyramid system, like you said, the, the, the levels will sort themselves out. No question. The better player, the best players will be in the MLS, the better, the, then you have the USL and then go on and so forth that that will sort itself out in a season or two. No problem. Because the higher the league, the more incentive the players will have to play there, right? You don't have to worry about, but now you have all these leagues competing for the best players. So you have a handful of good players in this league, a handful in this league, and then everyone has very yeah. mediocre players and it like like you said it's just you have eight different leagues competing for the same spot it's totally backwards against the rest of the world in the game
0: one of the things one of the, the only way that i think that like um you know the the paradigm gets broken is if there's a non mos team that becomes really dominant in the us open cup and, and this was my hope mm. for the Cosmos for a while. The Cosmos is one of the, yeah. you know, an owner with really, really deep pockets. They were operating yeah. in NISA. I know they're taking like a year off now, but went from NASL down to NISA. And of course their, their B squad played in, played in the NPSL.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: I was always hoping that they would make a huge, like put together this killer roster of players, you know, just assemble them from players around the world and make a really deep run in the, in the US Open Cup. And I always thought like, if, you know, if you got to the point where a non-MLS team won the U.S. Open Cup for like two out of three years or right. something,
4: right. you
0: really get people paying attention like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. this fantasy about like MLS being top flight, that's not true, that there's other teams that can compete. Right. And then, you know, instead of just playing once a year in the Open Cup, you yeah. start to see that type of interplay. And then you've got people being like, why isn't this team in, in, in MLS, right? Yeah, right. Like you know, when you talk about like what is the, you know, what is the, the, you know, the one thing that makes the infrastructure crumble. I always thought it's like a non MLS team being dominant in the Open Cup is is one of the things that that has to happen um, before uh, before the system really starts to change or people really start to understand. Oh, the system could be different.
3: Yeah, right. Yeah, hundred percent. And that almost happened. In I think it was 2015. I was at the game. The Cosmos beat NYCFC in the Cup.
0: I, I was and, it, I was in that that game too. Yeah, in to, to advance, not not to win, but to advance. Yes, yes. That, you were at that game at out yeah. in Long Island.
3: Yeah, at Hofstra. Yeah.
0: That that was the that was the game <laughs> where, where I was like, we have to put stockade together. Oh right? my god! Wow. I, was, I was in the stands.
4: You were a part
3: of. It. Probably sitting next to each other.
0: <laughs> Wearing where, where my Cosmos t-shirt, being like, because you know what happened is you know Cosmos powerhouse team in the seventies. You know, kind of yeah. fell aside. A private equity right. group, like investors, came together and said, "We're going to buy the brand. We're going to resurrect it, and we're going to make this team come back." And I, I remember being in the stadium, being like, "Oh, so this this team was dead for like twelve years. Someone just brought it back to life." And there's ten thousand people here as they beat NYCFC, wow. and, like, and you
3: have. Raul playing for you
4: (laughs) yeah
0: yeah yeah.
3: and i was there with my buddies
0: and i was like crazy this is what we're doing how do we how do we do this it was not not to go back to the original story but it was like we we you know we were at that bar in brooklyn angry wades you know after our own pickup game having the conversation about the u.s open cup we went to this game like three weeks later and then you know three weeks after that i had stumbled into deep stadium being like Holy cow! This is it. This this is the place, you know. And it was those three it's... things, like week after week after week, right. just kind of came came together.
1: We, we didn't know it, but game. somehow Sean was involved. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh,
0: what a no. what a crazy what, game! It what a crazy game, place.
3: though. They, I think yeah. the Cosmos scored at like the 89th minute. Yeah, to tie we it set, to send no, it into overtime.
0: We were sitting yeah. at the far at the far end. Um, it yeah. It was, what a
3: that was crazy yeah, well, yeah we, we were i was world. sitting like right next to the drumming section behind okay. the goal that's
0: cool good story all right crazy though yeah.
3: <laughs> but yeah <laughs> it, that was uh for for example though that they were they were a better team like they were the better team on the day for sure yeah and it did go to penalties but like they they were just better they had better players um i know leo fernandez was there at the time he was a long island native they have Raúl, obviously uh, incredible player but my cfc i th- believe had david at the time so it's like they have big players, too, but the Cosmos had a very good roster. They had a, a lot of good players.
0: But, they, I mean, that was an incredible environment that the Cosmos supporters put yeah. on. That's going to be a tough environment to come and play in. And, and you know, you guys know this. And, and Dylan, from being at Stockade, like, th- there are teams that maybe should have beaten us at Dietz that did not beat us because yeah. – the- the energy was just on our side, and it sounds oh. corny to say, but when you're there, you feel it. And I can only yeah. imagine yeah. had to be on the field, yeah. feeling the energy from, sure. the, from the fans, and you know, and only imagine what it's like ten x that. Literally ten mm-hmm. x. Mm-hmm. You're talking about ten thousand fans at the Cosmos Stadium. Yeah. The, the NYCFC went on to play the Red Bulls, um, like a week after that. I'll see you in a little bit. Um, and, and they lost, that's how they got knocked out of the open cup. But like, you know, it's funny, Sean, you and I both remember It's like, they won the whole thing. Right. (laughs) That game was so, so emotional. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Just to, just to bring it to a personal level with stockade. I mean, this was 2020 was my, no, 2019 was my last spell. Right. So it was a game against the Italians. Correct me if I'm wrong, Dan, where we go two men down. Right in the second half I already and, get oh yeah it was an incredible Dude, I just, experience did I
4: get the same thing this
2: this is just story?
1: i'm missing Charlie, out have No, you, have i you don't you
2: this go oh. dan take, uh, it, take is... it take it
1: take it away from here
2: all right so so there was a little scrum on the field wait um, set, set the set the stage set the stage it's the last right. game we have <laughs> so, this game it's the last home game it's the last home game of the year we are on this crazy like 10 match unbeaten streak in 2019, you know, we're like third place in the table, but we have the Cosmos and the Brooklyn Italians right ahead of us. These two Mm -hmm. prestigious clubs, um, you know, in and around the city. And, you know, we have never picked up a point before 2019 against the Cosmos or Brooklyn. Now we had already drawn, we had already drew Brooklyn at Aviator earlier in this year, which actually I believe started the, the big long run. Um, with a, with a late goal, we scored like an 88th minute header, um, to equalize that aviator. But so now we're back at Dietz. There's like 1400 people at Dietz. Um, there was a, I believe there was a rain delay.
1: Oh, that was the same game. Oh yeah. There was a, there was a big rain delay, delay.
2: 40 minute rain delay, lightning delay. Mm -hmm. People got sent back to their cars and 1400, 1200 people still came back to the stadium 40 minutes later for the game. So, um, you know we're down one nothing early, and a couple of our guys. I believe we, I believe we leveled. Yes, we took we we leveled. I believe Zobry scored. We score. Um, we went level one one. Scotty, there was a little scrum. Um, one of our players, you know, elbowed a guy in a little bit of a scrum, got a red card. Another one of our players was addressing it with the referee. The referee stepped off the field, which apparently is a referee tactic to away from players. I've never seen it before, but um, and he stepped off the field after the referee gave him a second yellow. So we went down two men, like within a flash. No. So we go down. We we go down two one. We're fighting and crawling. It's like the 92nd minute at this point. One of our center backs gets forward, blocks a clearance. The ball bounces around. This 18-year-old kid, Brady Van Epps, bangs it into the back of the net. 18
1: years old, yeah.
2: In the the 94th minute, he's at Brown now. Before that, he was a senior in high school. Equalizer, 1,400 people at Deep Stadium going absolutely mad. Our guys on the bench are running onto the field. It looked like we just won the World Cup on a last-second goal. Literally, Fonzie, Afonso Pinheiro, shout-out to Fonzie ex-DC United Super Draft pick was literally out in the middle of the field off the bench celebrating. It was absolutely <laughs> madness. It? I'm going to have to send you the clip later.
3: Yeah, Here please do.
2: And it was a draw just to yeah. keep us just to keep us in it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that was we needed we needed at least a point so that when we had two more games against Boston and um and uh, Cosmos later on in the year that if we had, you know, gotten points from both of those know. games, we could have snuck into that two spot for playoffs. So we that was, that that was un- unbelievable. I'm
1: getting chills. Yeah. I just remember, I remember like seeing that second red. And yeah. I just remember running over to Jamal and being like, all right, Jamal, what's the plan? Like, yeah. where are we going? We, we, I mean, we, we have, we have nine guys. So like, let's think about this. We going to want to stack and we want to like, you know, hit them on the counter for one opportunity. But we got to keep this a one-goal game. And, like, we did. Shout out to – I mean, 18 years old, and you can come in and score against, you know, 1,400 fans. That's just another reason about Stockade and how it's, like, connecting that way. Yeah, I mean, out out for.
2: on the field. <laughs> there he <Everybody> is. <laughs> that's the pitch I was looking for. Wow. Everybody on the field. Like, I mean, you guys know, like, going down a man. Period. Oh, yeah. is
1: hard enough, yeah.
4: Mm-hmm. It's hard
2: enough. Be going down two man, you know, we had we had guys playing in the middle of the field. Dylan, you know, Paul Bakaj was on the field, plays at Fordham. Frankie Lucevic, who plays at Gonzaga, yeah, was on good the players.
1: field. Good guy. We had
2: kids, we had kids on the field, like young freshmen, sophomores, high school kids on the field going and like making a name for themselves in that moment. It was wild. And we have I mean one of the coolest things, you know, I think that Kale is like there's this there's wow this, look at that crowd <laughs> That is
1: amazing
2: um one of the things that uh dennis talked about kale before one of the biggest things that kale is responsible in my opinion for is our stream our stream is like high high quality oh now. it's oh it's it chris it was me with an ipad in 2016 and now it's like high-res cameras in 2019 season
0: we Drilling, have, around it's <laughs> yeah, amazing have,
2: we have um an english stream and a spanish stream at home games and the, wow. Spanish, the Spanish telecast of this goal is something that every...
1: I don't think I've ever seen this. This is going to be a great little surprise in well this imagine. episode.
0: Yeah. Oh, Spice it right into this, yeah.
1: We yeah. might have to put it in this.
3: This might this, have, have to be in have here. to put
0: it in, yeah. You're going to have yeah. to get some editing skills on here. I'll, your, send, your I'll send you guys the, the links to some of the photos. And you got to like... Please do. Podcast.
1: Oh, for sure. It's would, this, would this be on YouTube, the Spanish version?
2: It's on Instagram. I'll send it to you. I can. I, okay. I can. I can clip it and put it on. I can send you the clip, whatever. You, if you whatever. can just
1: send it to me on Messenger right now, I can get it up for us on a nice little screen share. Dan, okay. it's, it's
0: crazy that the moment you started telling that, I literally just got the.
3: I, you know, I did too. It just the odd one out here.
4: <laughs>
1: <that point>. yeah. <laughs> I mean, <That's> <laughs> Sean. That's, hey, Sean, I, that, I always that's told you Dan, live for Dan, we'll "I always told
2: Dan, I'll be back."
3: Oh, we will be back. We'll bring Sean. We'll be back.
2: You know, I had to, I had to, like, I know we're going to talk about recruiting and scouting a little bit more. Dill, it's on your, it should be on your phone now. Um, The, um, you know, the, the scouting and recruiting world—we'll talk about a little bit more—but I actually had to go back and do some digging to see if you were on our original two thousand sixteen recruiting list. I think you <laughs> slipped through the cracks a little bit. I am going to have to talk to the scouting staff. Wow. About this. I think
1: maybe the I, Long I Island was, roots I was too probably busy. Yeah. turned you off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> the far, the far east New Yorker.
2: Pretty far away.
1: <laughs> Dan, I am. I am not getting it. Unfortunately, I haven't received uh, a text.
2: I sent it to you on Instagram.
1: Oh, on Instagram. Okay, my apologies. Uh,
2: people are going to have to bear hey,
1: Dennis, with us. Are you, you have to
3: go, Dennis. I know it's, yeah, it's
0: I'll, I'll, I'll bounce in a minute. Um, any anything you guys wanted, I, I sent you, Dan, I sent you the, the, the link I had for that, from that game. And so share that with these guys too. So they have it.
1: On it. If you, if you do have just one second, Dennis, I wanted no, to yeah, ask yeah. you just about um, one, you know, bigger topic we wanted to get into was this, this, this pay to play. So for I mean, for both of you guys, I know there's a great project with the Stockade Youth Project um, and things that you guys are trying to do to bridge that gap between, you know, the youth and just giving them the opportunity to, uh, you know, play soccer at a young age and choose soccer maybe over different sports. So, you know, what what are your thoughts on pay to play and and how do you feel like we can uh, we can evolve the system from where it is now?
2: This is Dan. This is for you, buddy.
1: Oh, Dan, get it.
2: Yeah, this is kind of this is kind uh, of my system is kind of my baby. Um, you know, it's a it's a really complex conversation. And I know you guys have had conversations in the past. Like I, I was texting you after your, your Joe Funicello um, yeah. podcast. And like he talked about the best players play for free. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I just want to like say right from the get go here that that's true. He's right. But like how do you become the best player at a club
3: He's you just you talking to, about this with Dylan you
2: have to get involved in that club at six yeah. seven eight years old
4: mm-hmm. to become
2: the best player at that club and that costs it costs money it puts financial burdens on families that you know they they ultimately end up looking for sports that are cheaper is basketball cheaper right. like you know I, I don't know that it's it's necessarily every situation but you know how many, professional basketball players could have been like superstar soccer players you know what i mean mean? just think
3: of lebron james as the goal or or just um, or american football players like look at all those athletes imagine Mm.
2: you know there i mean we there's this age-old conversation about how like odell beckham jr was in the uss uh u.s soccer development academy for a while and like if he had committed to u.s soccer and wasn't playing football like obj is probably like starting alongside Polisic on a wing like scoring goals definitely a winner. winner yeah
1: 100% definitely a winner
2: you know there's it's just this guys I'm, i – play is a is a broken mechanism and mm-hmm. it's basically a concept that makes money for clubs Like, so I I wrote down the definition. I got a little post-it note here. It says pay-for-play is a phrase used for, in a variety of situations in which money is exchanged for services or the privilege to engage in certain activities. Like that word privilege stands out really, really explicitly to Mm -hmm. me. Like it's a privilege. And you know, Joe's right when he says that the best players play for free ultimately, but we have to get to that point. And it's not cheap, even at a very young age. Um, when other sports can be a lot more inexpensive. And yeah. the the whole pay-for-play system is a game. It really is, because families get in the mindset that, oh, I'm playing for my local club, I'm playing for you know Poughkeepsie Town soccer, I'm playing for Kingston K A S L. And if I want my kid to get to the point where they can play college soccer or they can, you know, play to the highest level. I have to bring them to play at, you know, Quick Strike or, you know, any of these big pay for play clubs around the area that charge what, $2,500, $3,000 to day. start. Yeah. Until right. they
1: know if you're good or not, really, in a way.
2: Yeah, so the ultimate question becomes like, how do we reduce the cost? And that's mm. you know, one of the biggest pieces of, um, you know, the, the stockade youth program. It's like, how yeah. do we reduce that cost? But a question that I always want to ask is like $3,000 per kid. Do you really think that's how much it costs to run one soccer team? $3,000 per kid per year? Okay. Like 18 kids. That's 54 grand a year.
3: Yeah. right. It's crazy. Like, I mean, I read, that- I read your article, so it's, it's a little bit cheating, but. yeah we'll share the link to that article because it's very good it's very well written and it it, exactly is that how much it really costs for you know a 12 year old to play soccer
2: yeah so in that soccer in that article i try to break down a little bit more about what like the real costs are we talk about league fees and ref fees and field space uniform costs training costs you know like coaching stipend things Mm -hmm. like that it does add up but you know fifty four thousand dollars per year you could run an mpsl club
4: yeah,
2: That's right. Not a U8. Yeah. yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Now so. let's let's come let's come back to this, Dan, because I do want to talk more on it, but I know Dennis um his time is valuable and we want we have to play this before uh before he goes. So you guys seeing the uh the yep. screen share right yeah. here? Yeah, right. yeah, I can see try it. and blow very this very up nice. as much as we can.
4: Ay,
3: Oh man. That's <laughs> what you live for. Unreal. Beautiful game.
0: Yeah. I mean that that's probably like one of the you know top three highlights we have as a club. But you know, realistically you get you put you get something like that every year that just sure. like you it allows you to feel it running through your blood like two years later
4: yeah, yeah. it's yeah. always it's, it's,
0: such, it's such a i'll tell you i meet so many people in tech and they're like why are you working on this like small soccer thing and i'm like because it makes you feel good it's just like yeah, the yeah, yeah. Most rewarding right. thing you can spend your time on you know and it's um I mean, just seeing these clips and having this conversation just makes me want to get back on the field this year. Oh, I oh,
1: can't yeah. wait till you guys get back on the field, man.
3: Can't yeah. wait. one day, one day stockade MLS, one day in the future, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. far no, in the future. But MLS, it'll
2: be something else. <laughs> so, so just to, just to quote Dennis, what Dennis always says when I when I have those big dreams, like Sean just said, mm-hmm. he just always says, "Sounds expensive." <laughs> It, 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 they all
3: (laughs) at at that point, footwork will be a big sponsor of the club.
2: (laughs) Yeah, don't worry, we're going to be a
1: patch on the jersey at that point.
3: Oh, yeah, (laughs)
4: across the chest,
3: right across the chest.
4: (laughs) Once once
0: we start getting paid for all these amazing stockade players playing, you know, transferring around the world.
3: Yeah, there
1: you go. Yeah, there's a big
3: cost involved with that. I I
1: thought that was already in, uh, in process. I thought yeah, you were using aluminum paper. foil.
2: It's in the blueprint for the, the D3 vitalization there. Right if it's, the if it's
1: made out of one of the local IPAs, then I'm signing off on it, definitely.
2: <laughs> nice little Keegan beer right there. In oh, your hand.
1: Yeah. We need Keegan beer as a, as a sponsor of footwork, too. Amazing yeah. stuff.
0: Yeah. Let, let, let's get him on the on stockade first, and then we'll send the
4: extra. <laughs> yeah. yeah, fair yeah, enough. Fair
1: fair enough. enough. Um, well, Dennis, I mean, if you, uh, we we're so thankful that you um, gave us the time to to speak to us, it was amazing.
0: Yeah, su- super super fun. I mean, I'll tell everyone, you know, like, hey, if you if you're interested in the club, um, we're at Stockade FC on Instagram, on Twitter, stockadefc.com. If you want to follow the story on the on the website, uh, and then I'm always pretty easy to get in touch with online. I'm mean, just at Dens D E N S on all these different platforms, and always happy to answer questions for. For, for anyone about any of this stuff. So just come and find me. And then I'm going to sneak out and go take the kids to the playground. And uh, Dan, I think you guys are going to stay on it and talk some more paper play stuff. But um,
3: yes, sir. um
0: awesome. Thanks so much for having me on. It's, it's Thank great. Thank you, Dennis. Thank
3: you. It was our pleasure.
2: He's a, he's a busy man. He takes, he's got a lot of, a lot of big responsibilities.
1: That's got to feel good though. From your standpoint, Dan, is that he slid in your DMs. You know, that's got to be like good for the,
2: yeah, I mean, <laughs> he you know, came was-
1: searching for you. I'd be walking yeah. around like,
2: the love, the love to the, you know, to A.O. Hudson Valley. It wasn't specifically me, but, um,
1: but you're a co-founder of, of the, of the Hudson Valley outlaws branch.
3: Yeah. Yeah. You um, must, you must've uh, been running around that summer school classroom that day.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was-
3: like, all right, kids we gonna extra, learn today extra
2: recess on this day why do some research no we're gonna
3: um, do some math on how yeah, we start so I, a club
2: yeah so <laughs> i i kind of had to like cause because i was at school i had to throw a little uh a little bit more reliance on my my buddy Corey and uh jeff payne our other co-founder um to to do a little bit more work i messaged him back immediately when i woke up that morning like yeah because his question was would a uh, soccer club work in the Hudson Valley specifically in Kingston. And I was like,
4: yeah, a
1: definitely. soccer club. Like he didn't specify, it would be like, you know,
2: a no, certain not, level or anything not specifically from the start. I think he was trying to gauge us out, but you know, we had conversation after conversation and then ultimately I became one of like the, the first board of advice, you know, advisory board people, um, mm. with, uh, Mike Milberger, who was working at MLS at the time, who was still working with us. And, um, Greg Lawless, who's Alexi Lawless's brother, who um, wow, probably is not. That's probably not the most flattering thing for Greg. I'm sorry, Greg. Greg Lawless, <laughs>
1: Depends who, on who you ask, I guess.
2: Yeah, Greg Lawless, who's who's an amazing MLS executive who just happens to be related to Alexi. That's <laughs> uh, better, <laughs> better put.
4: <laughs>
2: and then myself, Dennis, and then Randy Kim, who was our original GM, who you know works for. Dazzin and in the sports yeah, world, yeah. so we have a, yeah. lot of, a lot of big people, a lot of lot of you know real soccer mindsets, sports mindsets, business mindsets, and then yeah. I think that I was the Valley tie.
1: Dan, I I wanted to ask you about this because I mean, after our Joe episode, we talked about um, obviously the promotion relegation, and we had some some responses on some of the social medias that just saying. This promotion relegation only hurts the lower clubs in terms where there's only a few clubs that can win the league. As I mean, if you look in like an EPL, there's there's really six, seven clubs. I mean, Leicester and it, it is changing a little bit here and there, but there are this group of clubs that can win and then the rest don't. So a lot of people point to this as why the MLS is more quote unquote competitive, especially if you ask Alexi Laos. And I I asked Joe about this as well. And I I wanted to get your take on on like what competitive means to you in in comparison of these two different types of leagues.
2: So I think think what, you know, what you're talking specifically about is competitive on the field. Um, And, you know, I think of the clubs also like a business too. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you're talking about Manchester United versus – you know, who Aston Villa, somebody like that, some of the smaller teams, um, Brighton, you know, you're talking about the revenue share is pretty equal in the EPO. So all these clubs are making yeah. similar amounts of money. You have additional investors like the Glazer family, Manchester United, you know, spends tons and tons of money to bring in guys like Bruno, whereas smaller clubs don't take those risks. They, you know, try to, Keep their club financially stable because um,
4: mm-hmm. they
2: don't have these billionaire owners. So when I think of competitive, I'm thinking in terms of finances. You know they they're making choices on where to spend their money. So yeah, that's that's my take on it. Like MLS is it's like it's like one big, big bank account. MLS they like they put all their money in a pot. MLS helps bring in the Joseph martinez's and mm-hmm. the David Beckhams. And that and helps finance but like every player in MLS doesn't sign a you know New York Red Bulls contract or a Houston Dynamo contract they sign an MLS contract specifically with those teams so they belong to MLS not Mm. specifically to to the team so MLS is a corporation Manchester United is a corporation Aston Villa is a corporation and then you know Sunderland is a corporation down into the championship. So they're all they're all individual entities. So it changes things, really. Um, mm-hmm. I think that MLS would have, obviously MLS would have to change that model in order to go promotion relegation. And like Dennis was saying before, the leagues are in competition. The league is looking to make money, not necessarily right. the team, whereas the leagues in England are that container, like he said. Yeah. Um, right. We don't have that, that structure here to even enable it because the leagues are... Pr- are, they're a corporation, MLS right. is a corporation, Premier League is a container, it holds corporations
3: Right. wow, I did not know that, that. now it. that makes total sense why promotion relegation is not even on the table because that would mean every year they're going to lose a piece of their business they're losing yeah, so if, a team or two if
2: NYCFC is... if NYCFC got relegated to the USL, like would all all the players that are on it NYCFC have to stay in MLS on whatever team got promoted. Like I, I don't even know how that would work with the current model of MLS, just the way yeah. that yeah. the contracts. Do. Like yeah. that's the point of the, the designated player model. Um in MLS, you get the three bigger contracts outside of your salary cap because the MLS owns them. MLS pays those contracts, they pay it with their like five million dollar annual um buy-in per team. So, it's it's a very different model than anywhere else in the world, and it creates yeah. a lot of difficulties when you start talking about promotion relegation. Honestly, believe that the biggest piece to get promotion relegation in the U.S. would be to do it in the lower tiers.
1: I was just going to ask: is get, that something you see more possible as a two through seven? I think
2: that that's yeah. So, um, you know, USL and MLS are very connected. Um, there's a lot of mls2 teams in usl and then obviously the pdl usl2 they could create their own little pyramid and then if we had a separate pyramid where it was nisa npsl upsl and then you know some amateur leagues and things like that we would be able to create a structure promotion relegation with just those tiers so like i said before if we went seven eight tiers deep rather than having nine leagues in tier four we can uh we could create something like that that right. would help to but there'd have to be some sort of revenue and you know dennis yeah, can talk sure. to all day about the revenue share on leagues and stuff like that but you'd have to have some sort of you know the npsl is using my to stream games but is there a revenue piece for that right no no it's just a for us to be more accessible yeah if we were to you know say say nisa had a nike sponsorship and and um, NPSL didn't have that. When you got in, promoted to NISA, you would get that Nike sponsorship. You know, yeah. there has to be some sort of financial does, yeah. backing to, to get into the league. What's what's the goal? Is it just to be in a higher league? Or right. is there some sort of financial right. piece to help point. you yeah.
3: also, also, like, so your Germany, for example, you have, you know, from the first league to, to the, I mean, there's nine... Nine tiers, but in the lower tiers, there's multiple, multiple leagues in like a specific region. But so the thing is, like, just say the Hamburg Oberliga, the fifth tier, you have 20 teams in that league, but they're all in the city. Like, for example, Stockade, if you're going to play, go up a level, now the travel cost is astronomically higher than it was in this current league that you're in. Yeah, um, for, so I don't even know if sure. that is viable because there's not nice. enough teams in the local area where your travel cost is going to bring your revenue. That's, that's a it, would have to be, it would have to, to be regioned off. It, it'd have to be regioned.
2: Yeah. yeah, it would yeah, have, to be there, region
4: off. have to be
2: regioned off. You'd have to increase the I mean, NISA right now is like, I think it's like eight to 10 teams. So if NPSL yeah. was to merge with NISA, like there's like a hundred teams in NPSL. So we could potentially have an NPSL one and NPSL two
3: but okay.
2: we'd have to get a few teams to move into NISA to start with, to help regionalize it because right. you know the closest team to us currently, if you take the Cosmos out is this new, new Amsterdam FC team, which mm-hmm. is um, in, in the city. And then I think from there, you know, we're, we're headed to Detroit. So there, yeah. there yeah. has to be revenue share to make that feasible for teams. How do, we, right. how, do we, how do we get them a little bit? Cause you're talking about an operating budget in the NPSL, that includes travel for us to go to Boston and Hartford and Rhode Island yeah. on a bus. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we have to take either like what is it like twelve hour ride to Detroit or we're <laughs> going to take a a flight to Detroit. There's got to be some sort of revenue share in order to pay help for those costs. Yeah. To not, like, go bankrupt when they. Yeah. Right. When they increase leagues, there's got to be a there's got to be a prize to move forward, not just being oh I'm in a higher league like hold your shoulders higher.
1: Right. It's a great point. Dana, just to, just to switch gears here, that you you said that you had a, a funny story about me being recruited onto stocking. And I was just wondering, I'm not sure it'll paint me in the best light, but maybe you could share for
4: everyone <laughs> out there.
2: Well, it's, I mean, so we, we have a very, very extensive recruiting and scouting process. My brother, Nick Hafe, is like this, I mean, he's a crazy recruiter he watches hours and hours and hours I didn't
1: know that actually games. wow okay
2: like, he sits here like last night he was what he watched like seven hours of games just last night we watched the u albany game yesterday he watched the stony brook game and like i pop on i take little pictures and i say that i watched him i post him on twitter i saw yeah, that i, I didn't
1: see that you posted on twitter he's got,
2: yeah he's got, it's all like i'm the i'm like the i'm like the 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 front man to him doing all this back work. So in 2016, like he spent months compiling, like this big, long Google sheet of, it was like somewhere in the 200 range of players from our area that were playing college soccer, specifically college soccer, or guys that were just out of college soccer. Um, And Dylan was one of those players. And that's why, that's why I was talking about Sean before that, when I said I had to go back and do some digging to see if you were on that (laughs) list. Uh, I have to ask Nick. (laughs) Probably, he probably got, you know,
3: he missed the far East New York.
2: But, um, so, you know, we had had conversations with people about different players and coaches. And, you know, I talked to burn and I talked to a whole bunch of coaches from different areas, talking about players and Dylan's name came up a lot, um, you know, through research, through talking to people. But then more specifically through Jamal, who I know you guys had on, who yeah. you guys determined coached against you while you were at school. So Jamal was like, others, oh, this crafty little midfielder that plays for Oneonta. And we were like, oh, that's Dylan Williams. So we were like, we got to get in contact with this kid. So I had asked Byrne for your email. I believe I had sent you an email sometime in December. Byrne gave me your email. Um, Dylan didn't respond. So... <laughs> A couple of weeks later, we had been in contact with another Oneonta player, Darren Gomez, yep. who played for us in 2016. Um, and I went back in my emails and was looking to see how all this happened. And I had said to, to Darren, like, can you give me Dylan's email? And, Dylan, and Darren gave me Dylan's, like, personal email, not his Oneonta email. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to try again. And I was like, Darren, let Dylan know that really we want him to play. <laughs> so – it, it kind of became like this obsession and we got, we were worried that like Dylan was going to show up and he was going to suck. And we were going to be like, we spent a lot of time on this. So he had a lot of, there was a lot of, a lot of expectation to live up to. Um But you ever heard the term white whale? White whale is like something that you like obsess over. Like right. Dylan was, uh, was Nick's white whale. This was like the player that he like, needed to
3: how get are we going to get him? My
2: So, so I had been worried and he he was on me about it constantly. Have you heard from Dylan? Have you heard from Dylan? Like constantly, we need to get this kid. He needs to anchor the midfield. So we have our first ever tryout on a Saturday. I don't know what the exact date was, but it was sometime in March, 2016. Yeah. Dylan, no, no show, no show. We plan things out. We're getting things ready. So um, George Visvari was our first ever stockade coach, local legend. Um, You know, played professionally, Hungarian, old school, tells you how he sees it, never lies to you kind of guy Um, to the point where he actually, I asked Nick if I could tell this story too, but he actually in the first tryout cut a kid right in front of his brother to the coaches. He was like, the brother was standing on the sideline. The kid he wanted to cut was on the field and he would turn to the coaches and he was like him out, like right next, the brother was standing right next. So he never, he just does he just, he never cared. It was just like, I'm going to do this how how I want to do it. And it's, you know, how I feel old school, no BS, all honest all the time. So Thursday night before our first tryout, Dylan emails me back. I have it written right here. I'm sorry for the delay. I needed to work out a couple of things so that I could attend this Saturday. I hope the invite is still in place as I would very much like to attend. Thank you for your time and reaching out very professional very nice they proper I Just then, late I text I, I either text or George and I'm like Dylan's coming he's like no he's not he's too late I have tryouts set up he's like this kid's not coming so I was like he was like tell him he can't come and I was like okay I'm not gonna argue with George but I didn't tell him Dylan couldn't come Dylan showed up anyway I told Dylan to come <laughs> so, um we knew we had to get him we knew we had to get him on so good thing happens, some kid didn't show up. No idea who he is, but he didn't show up. Shout out to that tryout. guy.
4: Shout so out to that guy. There's
3: guys, one spot right.
2: open on a team. So I was like, listen, George, Dylan's coming, and a spot opened on this team, so we're going to put him on this team. He goes, fine, he plays left back. So Dylan hops onto the field playing left back. Like Within three minutes of him playing, George looks over at us, and he's like, he's on the team. Like it took three minutes from from (laughs) Thursday night, him not wanting anything to do with this kid, to three minutes on the field. He's like, he's on the team, and now Dylan's jersey is right there. That white Trailways jersey up on the top is actually Dylan's jersey. It's really there because one one day, you know, one day it's going to be in the stockade offices once we have, you know, legit offices. That's that's sick jersey. He's got a freaking Bayern Leverkusen jersey hanging behind him, like you know things. Things we're gonna have. have I'm,
1: I'm. gonna have to get you guys. Um, just one from from Northern state for you guys to have too. Depending yes, on how sure. how large this is, that definitely. Like, gift. Yeah. Gift from me for for being for being a. Uh, an asshole and, you know, and yeah. it's <laughs> your damn email. You're kid.
2: An Listen, you know, one, of, one of the biggest, one of the biggest things with recruiting that we always talk about is communicating with these kids. Like we're talking about college players. So the, the stockade equipment is over to my right right now. And I don't know if you can hear this, but a random stopwatch is going off. Um, I've never heard yeah. that yeah. before in this room. Uh, <laughs> so it threw me off Barely though. But one of the, like one of the biggest things is is communication like it's it's difficult to get an 18 19 year old kid to commit so when you start talking to kids about you know getting them in for a trial following ncaa guidelines we're talking to them in december or january kids are like i don't know what i'm gonna do this summer like it's it's very difficult so i mean the easy part identifying kids you know seeing stats, talking to coaches, you know, we've developed a really, really good relationship with a lot of area coaches like Trevor Gorman at university of Albany, um, Matt Vigiano at, um, Marist. Mm-hmm. Um, we have good relationships with Sienna, Iona, Binghamton, uh, Stony Brook. Like we have really good relationships with a lot of schools. So identifying kids is the easy part. The difficult part is communicating with them just like that situation with Dylan. Like these kids don't know where they're going to be tomorrow let alone in May to be playing for our program.
1: That's a great point. I mean, I was probably thinking about, you know, where I was going that weekend, but um, I do, I don't think that I had made my decision on if I was going to like pursue JP Morgan and be an investment guy and I would be in the city. So I think there was a lot weighing on my mind not to, uh, but I still think, How how do I feel about it?
2: How do you feel about that decision? You happy you didn't go work at J.P. Morgan in the city?
1: Uh, Yeah, I don't regret it in the slightest. I'm I'm very happy with how things have turned out and continue to turn out. You should be. But, yeah, kids, I'll just say, kids, answer your email. Even if you just say, uh, you know, I'm not sure yet, just get back to people. Yeah,
2: communicate. 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 Be honest. Like, that's one of the biggest things. You know, be honest. Tell us. You know, I'm not – what i'm doing yet can can i check back with you in a month
1: yeah yeah that transparency know. that transparency like you've mentioned very early in this episode it goes a very long way and people can they'll 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 give you the benefit of the doubt when you are transparent it's like okay well you know george may have put me at left back but you know i've Sean seen me play Sean seen me play right wing back in in the cosmos game and i yeah you know so did well i don't know
2: I, I think you could play it i don't know if it's exactly your right <laughs> and you another you
1: can do a job in another lifetime i was at jp morgan and i was playing right back in a city league it's in a, in a different For life the greeks For the so
2: greeks, i was exactly. i yeah so i when you guys talked about when you reached out to me dylan about the you know the cv we had talked about your cv and and you know, pinpointing those exact skills that you have and saying that you can turn on a dime and, you know, you're shifty in small spaces. I don't think that would exactly work out so well at left back.
1: It's a good you know, point. That, that a good is
3: a good point. point.
2: You know, I think that's strength. one of your biggest attributes. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's you're not going to get into those open spaces to be turning on guys in your own 18.
1: you never know it depends on who i'm playing for i guess and
3: and i think i can recall dan your advice was for players making highlight videos that you really love it when they put the highlight video to who let the dogs out right and And it's 10 minutes
2: I, i believe that that was one of my best quotes ever and and i i i was very proud of myself after that quote i've had some bad ones sean We've gotten some, like, you know, it's one thing to, you know, I think that guys try to put bad music in sometimes to stand out. Like Like, putting your games to the Titanic soundtrack does not make you want to watch
4: more. No, 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 no.
1: Yeah. I mean, luckily sending it to you, you're a young guy, but you got to think like you send it to these college coaches Imagine Visvari is listening to like, you know, a deep house techno song with a ton of bass, like, he's not going to want to look like it's got to be it's got to be like, instru- yeah, instrumental, like the, not too much.
2: You want the content to speak for itself. Right, and not, exactly. And not have the music destroy it and, or, yeah. turn
3: or or distract you from from the actual yeah, content. Exactly. Completely. Unless crazy. you just you're not a great player and this is your
1: yeah, way. You <laughs> this is your way. Yeah. yeah. Hey, edit the hell out of it, you know? Yeah. Transitions, CGI, green screens, do what you gotta do, I guess. Yeah.
3: Dan, put, when put when video of Ronaldo up. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah with just yeah. your head on it. Just yeah. your somewhere. head on it. Anything.
2: Yeah. Playing at, at zero.
1: Oh man. Dan, when we when we were making these notes, I was trying to think of a good wrap-up question. And I knew we would be all, all over the place today. So, what I came up with is if you can in in a few sentences, you know, rather short, can you explain for us what your US soccer utopia looks like?
2: I guess the biggest thing would be that it would be accessible to everybody. You know, it would be small community soccer building to bigger clubs like Stockade, building to even bigger clubs like the Red Bulls in New York City where the game is accessible to every single kid across Mm. the United States. You know, like Mm -hmm. I don't think as much about the bigger picture, like the bigger clubs, the leagues and things like that. I think more about the kids and you the know, grassroots background. Like that's my, background. I'm an teacher. That's, my yeah. that's me. But like, you know, Dennis and I talk about this thing about all the time where it's like, how do we help the U S national team get better? How does stock aid help the U S national team get better? And mm. really it's about helping more kids find their greatest potentials in the game. It's about giving them the opportunity where it's not not becoming a question of can we pay for it? It's a question of, okay, you want to play soccer? Let's go, Let's give it a shot. See if you enjoy it, See if you have fun, and then you get high level training to be the best player that you can. Like I mean, that's really the stockade youth program mission is just to create inclusive soccer opportunities for all kids in the Hudson Valley, regardless yeah. of their social or economic stat- status in the world. Like that shouldn't matter that's yeah. that's my that's my utopian is this like this accessibility
1: word.
2: yeah soccer is just available to everybody
1: i love that i really love that now now dan i, I mean uh dennis shouted out the stockade routes and and where to find everyone on on instagram and stuff is there anything else that people can look you know to to maybe donate a few dollars to the youth program to 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 help support in any way
2: Yeah. So two of the biggest things that we do for the youth program is we have, um, you know, like a ticket purchase. You can obviously with, you know, we're not a hundred percent ready for 2021 season yet. You know, we're working towards it. I want to be completely honest with people. There's some obstacles in our, our way, but we're working through them and we're hopeful. Um, but, you know, once we have season ticket things, we do put a feature in where you can somebody from Utah that wants to get involved in stockade and buy a season ticket. You can buy that season ticket and it gets donated to one of like the local boys and girls clubs, Love um, that. youth programs, things like that across the area. So we have that piece of it. And then also we do an international tee every year. So we have our main stockade t-shirt, but then we do it in different international logos. Like we have a Japanese one. We have one here. Mm-hmm
4: yeah yeah Um,
2: so whenever we do a variation of that um a percentage of that goes towards our youth program so um you know is there any new
1: is there any new ones out
2: uh we're we're creating a new one there we had one last year that we put out that said um stay home save lives instead of the stockade logo um yeah you know we have one that says support local soccer and then we have the the um foreign ones we're still working on what this year's will be um but when you know though any of those shirts the large portion of the profits goes towards the youth program so Love stock slash store yeah
1: awesome. look out for that and if it when it comes um we'll we'll be sure to post that too uh because i want one i missed out on the on the uh japanese and the um, um there was another one that i wanted too. I think my mom got it though. So I think there's, there's one available in my house back in New York. So.
2: All right. All right. We got to look out for I'll it have to see if I can, I'll just ground a couple up and send them out to you guys. <laughs> the one thing, Sean, if you've never had a stockade t-shirt, stockade t-shirts are the softest cotton material. It's like wearing a make pillow you look... on your body. Are they? Make you look, amazing. They make you look ripped. You. They
3: make wow. you look ripped. It's and it's com- so right comfortable.
2: Your bicep.
3: I, yeah. I yeah, need one of these. They're
2: nice we're gonna have to send
3: and well i mean while we're on this topic is can you can i can i can you buy one could i go on the store and buy one of these t-shirts
2: yep. yeah. yeah so if you went on the store we have anything from you know masks are up there to jerseys you know and we don't you know we're a small entity so when you when you talk about us getting jerseys we buy like 30 of them until they're sold out and then we go and we refill the you know right. buy it get more and refill or because it doesn't financially make any sense for us to buy 500 jerseys and just have them sitting there so um, there tends to be a lot of things that get sold out but as soon as they get sold out we start the process of replenishing i think Mm -hmm. our masks are sold out right now but um you know scarves masks any one of our i think we have five jerseys up for sale from our original ones like the white one that dylan's wearing to our current Mm -hmm. the, the black ones with the topo lines of the hudson valley on them um this four square one over here to my side is a collector's item. I think Dylan's I have that, that I have
1: that right? hanging up in my, I have that hanging up in my basement.
2: That's yeah. That's our, that was our like training top for the first year. It was like, we had two that, that white trailways, oh, wow. and then we had a black mm-hmm. railways one and then we had the gray four square was like our training top. Um, mm. um, so that's, a, that's a collector's item. But yeah, there's tons of stuff on the store to, to go and purchase to support the club and yeah. you know rep some really, really high quality gear.
1: Yeah. Cool. High quality. Awesome. Amazing. Now, Dan, are you familiar with our outro at all? Some people don't make it that far, so we have to ask.
2: Alright, so, I, I yes to a degree. I don't know so that I know have, You just have,
1: uh, to, you just have to say the very plug, last plug, part.
2: Plug, the plug, plug, pass line. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Keep> <laughs> the most important keep line. <laughs> plug, plug, and pass.
3: Plug, plug, and pass.
2: I told you, I told you I, I've been listening I've been listening for a while now since yeah. um, I don't remember what was the first episode I listened to. But, um you know, I've gone back and I've listened to some parts of some episodes like I listened to part of your episode with Jamal, our head coach. I've listened to mm. your burn episode. But, you know, mm. I, I love you both. But, you know, Wags is my favorite.
3: <laughs> Dude. He He's a fan favorite <laughs> and he's going to be. We get this a lot to hear this.
1: <laughs> we get this a lot. And we're not going to tell him. So we got to make sure that he makes it this far. Yeah, we'll
3: make sure that we yeah, edit this part make- out. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. We, I mean, this is why we keep doing these uh, Premier League, is, all these types of This is of why episodes. we keep him around.
2: I, I know. I know. Wax is I, a man I, of the people. Yes, I agree. He's hilarious.
3: And, I love it. and if you're into I sports betting, it. he's a decent guy to know.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. i um, I'm a li- I was a little upset listening to the Prem one that nobody picked my United to win the title this year, but that's all right. We're- did City you?
1: I mean, I'm a United fan uh, just like you, but.
2: No, I would have picked us probably in fourth. Okay. So- well, I, I put second, <laughs> so you can't get mad. Yeah. <laughs> I probably would have went fourth. I probably would have went City, Liverpool, Spurs, United. Arsenal, did we put-
1: I did put Liverpool second. Um uh- I wish I
2: will I will forever I will forever put Arsenal in the relegation zone. <laughs> just like my.
4: 19. So the Arsenal Ars- Arsenal
2: Arsenal okay.
4: Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. They just they just is a big
2: Arsenal. Yeah,
1: yeah, I know. It's funny how like there's you know United Arsenal was more like the 2000s uh you yeah, know so that's wenger like, and ferguson so i guess right around the time when we're watching that's like stuff.
2: my time period yeah like rooney yeah. and percy like mm-hmm. um thierry henry like that's my time period which right is why now, I, right? I feel like
1: a lot of people like and from our generation don't hate liverpool as much as because they, yeah. they just weren't good when we were supporting united until like yeah. recently yeah. Right.
2: <laughs> liverpool liverpool wasn't a threat 10 years ago so no it was, they weren't it was so you just know, the up-and-coming Upcoming city, and it was Arsenal, Chelsea, United. Yeah, I hate yeah. Chelsea. I hate. Arsenal.
1: Uh, I hate Chelsea. <laughs> well, you guys <laughs> love, go take love a some hike. guys. Love some guys on Chelsea. I hate Chelsea.
2: Pained me. Pained me to see Christian Pulisic in a Chelsea uniform.
1: Dianne, maybe not for long.
2: Hopefully, oh, he's, he's not going to United. Sanders Get out of here. He's going to United. I don't care
4: because as long <laughs> go as not Chelsea. Yeah, well,
3: you guys. You, I'm gonna I'm leave. Stocking. This is just. I didn't trophy. actually watch. Yeah, I don't know.
2: <laughs> are you are you a Chelsea fan, Sean? I am. <laughs> All right, my bad. I didn't. I didn't realize that while no, I was. I was, gonna, on the attack. I
3: was
1: gonna keep it. I was gonna keep it going. Oh, this is a nonstop
3: <laughs> onslaught.
2: <laughs>
3: United gets carried by Bruno. They'd be in a yeah, relegation without him. This is true.
2: I mean, that's not, not wrong. We have some up and coming players. I mean, Pogba's hurt. You know, Pogba's a. A big influence. I don't think Wags is going to love to Poba hear this. On, I don't foresee Pogba being on the team for the rest of this year or at the end of this year. But, um, me, though, unfortunately, you, know, when you talk about selling a guy at 100 million euros and bringing in somebody you got the potential to bring in somebody like Holland. You know, I don't, if that's possible, I don't know. But, you know, you have money to, oh. to fill a yeah. void.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I Especially if, if he's, if he's, you know, if his mind's checked out. So we'll yeah, see. on... A great player. I would actually agree with that.
2: I would agree with that,
1: especially if we can bring in some. I mean, we need a number nine. We need another holding mid. I think we need a center back. So,
2: and Martial can take a hike too. (laughs)
1: I'll tell you what we don't need is a left back, baby, because Luke Shaw is here to stay. Thick boy, (laughs) my man is looking thick and he's looking good.
2: Our starter, but me
1: too. But I mean, it's a noticeable drop off. Yeah for sure all right all right so do you know the last line dan it's make your own path okay
2: (laughs) make your own path okay okay so
3: So until next time keep learning you mess it up i messed oh my god this guy messes it up it's just like the 50th episode (laughs) (laughs) okay run it back okay okay do you know your lines No, I was concerned
1: about mine. (laughs) Okay, now we're there. Now we're there. I'm getting mixed up because last time I was third. This time I'm second. I don't know. I don't know what's going on anymore. I'm good. I got it.
3: All right, take two. Until next time. Keep moving forward. Keep learning.
2: And make your own path.
3: There it is. Love it. Appreciate it. Love it. (laughs) Footwork is sponsored by ourselves Also, Kong Fitness
0: and Merchant Designs baby. Follow us on Instagram At footwork underscore podcast. Twitter is at footworkpodcast YouTube and Facebook Just check out footworkpodcast Search it Email us if you need anything Any questions at footworkpodcast At gmail.com And remember Plug, plug, pass Tell your parents Amazon delivery guy Mailman I don't know who just tell him like subscribe review all of it
4: helps danke